0: Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message.
1: So good to be together. Have a seat at the campuses, wherever you're gathering at 12 Stone Home. Glad to have you with us with the online community. I hope. I I, I put it behind me so you can join with me in it. Everybody say this with me loud and proud. What? I hope. Now, we all live in a world of I hopes. I mean, with spring break coming, we say, "I, I hope it doesn't rain. I hope the traffic's not too bad. I hope the kids get along. I hope nobody gets sick. A world is full of hopes. I hope I get a good grade in this class on that test. Oh, I hope I get the job I apply for. Oh, I hope I get that raise. Oh, I hope this dating relationship works out. Not sure yet. Man, I hope the Federal Reserve know what they're doing. Keep yanking that interest rate and the in- instability of banks. I mean, you got a feeling nobody knows what they're doing. Yeah. It'll make you pray. Man, I hope that medical test comes back negative. Sure hope so. Easter, it's ahead. Man, I hope the people I invited come, and I hope they come to faith in Christ. I mean, we we say I hope all the time life is filled with hope and then you get to the next you get to the highest hope you get to the hope of faith in Christ and 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 that's more than wishful thinking that's certain hope that's the hope of his presence here and now that that's the hope of his word as the trusted truth that's the hope of heaven the promise of God and so the holy spirit wrote through paul in colossians these words. It's in Colossians chapter 1. We always thank God, and then he makes several comments and goes on, and pray for you because of the hope, the what, everybody? Hope. Let me hear it again because there should be some joy in this. The what? Hope laid up for you in heaven. See, that hope, that stuff is certain. You can lean on that. So in a world of hope, Let's get to today's question. In all the hopes that we have, why would I want to live like a Christian? I mean, that's just a common question in our culture, this postmodern, more and more secularized, almost anti-church, anti-Jesus, kind of, why would I want to be a Christian? Now, you can ask it critically, or you can ask it sincerely. You know, why would I want to be a Christian? Why would I want to live like a Christian in all that I see about Christianity, particularly as I experience it in our American culture distinctly? And I'll just give you my answer right off the top because I can't answer it for you. But be, I, I I, would choose to live like a Christian, which means to follow Jesus, because the life I hope for, the life I what? hope for, the life I hope for, the life I long for here and in heaven is only possible with Jesus. Look, I can't answer your question. I, I can't do this for you. God gave you a free will. You don't, you don't have to follow Jesus. You get to make choices. You don't get to change the consequences of your choices, but you get to make choices. He gives you that freedom, and you can you pick a, to a certain degree the life you want. I'm just saying... Because I have so many hopes. I mean, the, the the soul identity and meaning and fulfillment of life that I hope for, only possible through Jesus. When I was 16 years old, and I remember hating life. And I remember the moment when I begged God, if this is all true, can you give me a better life than this? Do, are you really worth putting hope in? And so I'm talking from the view of enough brokenness and, and 55 years since. Is that right? 45, 55, 68. How does he be 61? I don't know, 45 years, five, sixty. 60. Gosh, I feel old. And you know, when you've been doing something this long, you've proved some things to yourself. I, I, I jotted down the marriage and family I hope for, the life I hope for my kids and now my grandkids, the life-giving friendships that I hope for, the joy or peace that I hope for, and anxiety, the accomplishments I hope for—a career and finance—the the hopes I have for our nation and this world, the heaven and eternity I hope for, all I'm saying is for me, that's all wrapped up in Jesus. I know no other way because the alternative is to train wreck your hopes. So I don't know how you'll answer this question, but I know why the question is asked. I mean, the question is asked in in part, why would I want to live like a Christian? In part because What they see from Christians is not always attractive. Let's just be honest. A lot of times people claim Christ. And then they have just as much train wreck lives and marriages and families and circumstance and character. And you're like, so what is the point? Sometimes it seems like they're as hypocritical as anyone. But does every person who claims the name really walk with Christ? And what really is the alternative? If you're not going to put your hope in Christ, who are, and what are you putting your hope in? Because you're going to pick something. So it's a fair question. And I'd like us to dive into the question and uh, be as honest and authentic and blunt as the question is. So can we do that? The answer is yes, by the way. Can we do that? So let me do that by um, asking a question of you. I have to contextualize today's conversation. I got to put it in context. And in order to do that, uh, I want to ask you a question. And uh, this question is for everybody at in-person campus. It's, it's 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 a question if you're if you're online community, 12 Stone Home. But Travis, where are you, man? Travis, somewhere. I'm going to have Travis serve as kind of the proxy. Thank you. Thank uh, you. For wow. what you're getting applause. Yeah, that's right. Every what time. What is that about?
0: Every time.
1: Every time. Don't do that for him. That is. That is. That is <laughs> This is a serious conversation. Yes, yeah, okay. So I'm, listen, you see, I have two discs here. Yeah. And I have a simple question that I need you to answer, and then we're done. This, this is fast. This is simple. I have two discs. I want you to, to uh, pick the, the blue disc. So just pick the, the just point to the blue disc. Okay. Just, just is go. Is there a
0: third option?
1: There's two discs.
0: Okay. I'm, right. Just right. don't be difficult. I feel like it'll be just be All right. Pick the blue disc, bro. Yeah, no, it's my fault. Uh, I agree. You did, I don't see, are you colorblind? <laughs> I,
1: maybe you're, Listen, am I colorblind? I'm not obviously being. Alien. You're obviously being evasive. Okay. You're but no, being, you're being not, defensive. No, I just, there's not a blue disc on I, the table. I want to. Is there somewhere else on the table? Yeah. Uh, uh, no, pick the blue disc. I All want right. an open, honest conversation. And you obviously can't <laughs> yeah, they, have it. I mean, I don't see a blue disc. So now you're antagonistic. No, I'm not. It's so, just, you didn't put a So blue now disc you out. just want conflict. No. Instead of that, answering my I'm question, just like just it. pick the blue disc, you can't do it. Yeah, I can't do it. Yeah, but it, you know, whatever. Disc. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, this is not helpful, is, so just, a just a say problem. bye. Yeah, just sorry. say bye, Travis. Sorry, yeah, I don't know. Don't give him applause because he was not helpful. You are such rebellious people. All right, this requires a conversation. Obviously, the difficulty here was not Travis, and he's just being a good sport. The difficulty in this is that I gave him the question, pick the blue disc. And he couldn't do it because of my, if you will, my setup. See, everybody tell me what color is this? What color is this? Is there a blue disc on the table? No. So, my premise is false. See, I changed the definitions before I even asked the question. So, because my premise is false, there's no blue disc on the table, then my question is faulty and the conversation is foolish. And that is happening in our culture. When you change the most basic definition of things, and then you ask a question, you can't hardly engage the question because the conversation is foolish. You're on different definitions. See, if I come over to this table and I set this disc up, everybody tell me what color is this? blue. And and you all know that. This is the blue disc. But the reason Travis couldn't answer the question is because I took blue off the table and then asked him to pick it out for me. That left Travis to either be silent, and a lot of that's going on in our culture, or to join my lie and just pick one. A lot of that's going on in our culture. Or to enter into conflict with me. And a lot of that is going on in our culture. Because we all know that our culture is redefining the equivalent of colors. I I don't really mean colors. This is just metaphor. So, if we're going to have the conversation, let's have more of the conversation. Culture is changing definitions. Here's what I mean. Let me just get to the point. Culture is redefining God's biblical definitions of Jesus, Christianity, marriage, family, identity, parenting, gender, morality, sexual purity, holy, honesty, character, racism, sow and reap, greed, justice, compassion, freedom, work ethic, church, heaven, hell, or truth. And so, While the world is redefining it, when you ask, show me Jesus, show me Christianity, is it the yellow disc Jesus or the red disc Jesus? My answer is, well, it's neither. Jesus, I'll grab this. Jesus defined himself by coming to earth, God, in person, And we'll just call it the blue disc, true blue Jesus. So the reason the question is complicated is because if you ask me to pick out Jesus or or do I want to be a Christian, if you're talking about a red disc Christian or a yellow disc Christian, my answer is neither because neither is Jesus. So I'm not even sure how to answer the question because this is not Jesus. This is not Christianity. This over here is Jesus and this is Christianity. I'll call it true blue. Just In the 1600s, there was a a, a little town in England called Coventry, as the story goes, that dyed uh, uh, fabrics blue. And they were so exceptional and, and so consistent that Even if you washed it, it never faded. It was called color fast or true blue. It kept its color. And so it became kind of a, if you will, kind of a a proverb that whoever was truly and consistently themselves, that was true blue. So, just metaphorically for our purposes, which just Jesus is true blue. And we have issues going on that are challenging for all of us in the culture. And sometimes I think it's sort of like this. So again, I want to guide us through a conversation. I think some of our issues in America are sort of along these lines. Maybe, maybe, maybe we have people inside the church demanding that people outside of Christ must live holy like Christ, like Jesus. So we're inside the church. And we're saying to the world outside the church, you got to live holy like Jesus. And hence, outsiders feel more judged than valued. They feel condemned. And by the way, Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world. We all know John 3.16, and we quote that one, but we should add verse 17, which says, For I did not send my son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. That's the heart of Jesus. People are not God's enemies. Satan is. So... God loves them and died for them. Maybe these are challenges for us. Maybe there's more issues in America. Then we have people outside the church. They're not even in the church. They're not even followers of Christ, but outside the church, literally redefining true blue Jesus to their preference, corrupting Jesus's definition of love and forgiveness and holy living, and imposing their false Jesus on people inside the church, as if Jesus frees us to sin rather than frees us from sin. Well, no wonder nobody can ask the question, do you you want to be a Christian? What is one? Do you want to follow Jesus? Who is he? Because I think there's a lot of confusion. And you'll notice he's agreeing with me with the thunder. (laughs) So what a mess. How can you answer the question, why would I want to live like a Christian, if, if, if it's either hypocritical judgment from self-righteous people or unholy living that still leaves you in a train wreck? So we should spend our time not unpacking the red disc or the yellow disc, but let's just spend our time on the true blue Jesus so we actually know what we're talking about because this is where our hope is. Amen? So let's just come over here and let's mess with this for a little bit. So there are three things that come from the book of Colossians where we've been sitting. I want to put them on the screen And and I want to say, this is why billions of people, at least me, among them, are following Jesus. Why I want to live like a Christian, like the real Jesus. And here's what Colossians encourages us. Become insiders with Jesus. Strive to live holy like Jesus. Help outsiders come inside. Everybody read this with me, wherever you are. If you're online, 12 Stone Home, if you're at any in-person campus right here in the room, everybody read this with me loud and proud so I know we're all going after the same thing. You ready? become insiders with Jesus. Then, strive to live holy like Jesus. Then, help outsiders come inside. That's kind of an outline to Colossians, where we've been. So let's start with become insiders with Jesus. And let me just walk us through some thoughts, and maybe God can help us. Chapter 1 of Colossians tells us who Jesus is, the true Blue Jesus. By the way, uh, several years back, uh, Marcia and I, I was invited to teach at a conference for a Wesleyan denomination experience down in Florida, a bunch of pastors, hundreds of pastors gather together, you know, all that kind of stuff, and I kind of a main session, they call it, and so we said, yes, they said, we'll take care of you, we'll give you a really nice suite, you can bring your kids, you know, we're, we're just, we're going to take care of you, you're going to be glad you did this, so we said, yeah, we'll do it, and you know, we're going to speak at the session, and so I did a lot of work, and, and, and we drive down, bring the kids, and when we show up, we go to the registration, and, and they give us our room key, and we go to our room. And it is, it's got to be close to one of the smallest rooms in the whole place. Now, I don't want to be full of myself, but I'm like, really? Because this is not like, this going to be difficult for the family. Not a great experience. Here's what I found out. There was a pastor from Canada who's named Kevin Myers, M-Y-E-R-S, in the same denominational system, who showed up just ahead of me he loves this denomination. They gave him a huge suite, a basket with all kinds of goodies. They treated him amazing. He got a check for just showing up. I mean, this Kevin Myers said, I love this conference. They flipped the Kevin Myers. He wanted all that went with it until he discovered he'd have to speak. And then he's like, now you speak. I met him. We had a great time. He's like, I'll take everything else you speak. Because they had the false Kevin Myers. A whole bunch of people have the false Jesus. They got, they got a red disc Jesus, a yellow disc Jesus. And they're like, I don't want to follow him. And I'm like, I don't blame you. I don't either. Do you have any clue who the true blue Jesus really is? Because you got to get to the real Jesus. That's why the hope is in him. So this is what Colossians tells us about Jesus. Jesus, the Son, absorbed this. If you're an insider or follow Christ, absorb this. If you're on the outside, if you're spiritually unresolved, listen to this, His revelation of who He is. Jesus, the Son, is the image of the invisible God. He's God, the firstborn of all creation, for in him all things were what created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Sort of means you're not the center of the universe. He is before all things. I'm not the center of the universe. And in him all things what? Hold together. We can spend the rest of our time. That's the true blue Jesus. True blue Jesus made all things. The true blue Jesus owns all things. The true blue Jesus has all authority. And when you redefine his definition, you're declaring you have all authority. You're declaring I'm Lord. Hope's in me. Hope's in culture. I trust people more than Jesus. Okay, but just know what you're doing and know who he calls himself. He says, I have all authority to define red, yellow, and blue. Let me go back through the list I read. He defines himself, Christianity, marriage, family, identity, holy, parenting, gender, morality, sexual purity, honesty, character, racism, sow and reap, greed, justice, church, compassion, freedom, Work ethic, heaven, hell, and truth. And to define those yourself is to pretend to be someone you're not. That's the true blue Jesus. And if you call the real world, the physical and material world, without the spirit world, the spiritual, you have a false Jesus. If you think Mother Nature holds all things together, you have a false Jesus. Just read through who he is. If your Jesus is okay with sin and not holy, you have a false Jesus. No wonder all the false red this yellow this Jesuses are not worth following. They're powerless. There's no authority. Lacks truth. Oh, that's why. Maybe it helps us understand. And then, because we're outsiders with the true Jesus and he's holy and we're not, he made it possible for us to become insiders. Look at what scripture says next. For God was pleased to have all his fullness well in him, Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God, you're outsiders, you're what? Outsiders. You're not on the inside with him. You're not on his inner circle. You, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds, so you made yourself an enemy of God. He didn't make you an enemy, but in your minds... Because of your evil behavior, unholy, sinful behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy. To present you holy. To present you how? This should blow your mind. You're unholy, but through Jesus, you are made holy. In his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. Are you kidding me? You screw up your whole life. You sin, you're unholy, and you say, forgive me. And he goes, I'll wash it all away. I'll pay your debt. And then God looks at you, and you look, oh, you're holy. You're holy. He sees you as holy. He makes you ho- You didn't do this. You got, don't, no, there, the reason that there is no arrogance in the kingdom is because nobody earned this. You can't be self-righteous if you didn't get righteous by yourself. If he made you holy, which is what he does, then you're just grateful. And anything other than that is false. So let me ask you something. You don't want that? You, you don't want to be made holy? You don't want everything you've ever done be forgiven? You want to be accountable for all your sin before God and spend eternity without him? Have at it, not me. I'll take Jesus. I, I, I can't make your decision. I'm just... That's for me. By the way, if you're spiritually unresolved, you're listening and you're still an outsider, I'm so glad you're listening in. God's probably drawing you to himself and you're not yet aware. When you lay your head on the pillow at night, nobody else is watching. And you quit pretending. And you're honest to God about the doubts and the emptiness. You hope this is true. You really do. Because this is the only thing that makes sense of life. There would have to be a God, a creator. This world is so messed up, there must be sin. And thanks be to God, Jesus made a way to be restored. And then he lets the rain fall. He's like, yeah, I'm in on that. All true blue. If you're not hanging out with us today, we're in the middle of a thunderstorm. And it's just adding to the ambiance. Second, strive to live holy like Jesus. See, once you've been made holy, you've gone from outside to inside, then strive to live holy like Jesus. See, Colossians goes on and says, now that you've been made holy, strive to be holy, which means this. Listen, change all your definitions to agree with Jesus. Like, what does it mean to be holy? It means you change all your definitions. It means like, oh, I live in a world that defines... blue in red disc, yellow disc terms, but now I'm gonna shift and I'm gonna say, oh, I'm gonna adjust my definitions in this world to true blue, to to God's word. Oh I get it. That that be holy and then strive to be holy. So that means Jesus sets your definition of Christianity, of marriage, of family, of identity, of holy, of parenting, of gender, of morality, of sexual purity, of honesty, character, racism, sow and reap, greed, justice, church, compassion, freedom, work ethic, heaven, hell, and truth. So you no longer pretend that red and yellow is blue. You just don't pretend it anymore. That doesn't mean you don't have challenges. It's just that you no longer color the truth. It just means now that you've been made holy, you live forward in Christ, and you strive to be holy as he is holy. So that's why the Holy Spirit writes through Paul. Put to death, put to what? Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways. When you were outsiders, you used to to have those definitions that that's a good way to live. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. He goes on, do not lie to each other since you have taken off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, taken off the unholy and put on the holy, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. So listen, he's telling us he not only makes us holy, but he calls us to strive. Now we live forward. Listen, it's not because I can't be tempted. I can be. It's not because I never sin; I do. What he's saying is this, strive against it. Battle it. Don't settle. Don't what? Settle. You never settle into sin. People are like, well, you're hypocrites. Nah, we're human. We're flawed. But that's not my goal. My goal isn't to live in sin and settle in it and call that true. I agree with Jesus. That's sin. Okay, I got to live this way. I get it. So I'm battling it. Nobody does it perfectly. But here's the deal. I know sin is dangerous and destroys and train wrecks my life. How many of you ever heard, don't park on a train track? Anything like that. Like, don't park on a train track. So this guy right here is, check him out, he's, he's, he's parked on a train track. So this truck um, has this precarious moment. And listen, if you ask the guy, how dangerous is it to park on a train track? Right now, say with me. In this snapshot, his answer is it's safe. It's totally safe. You know why? Because it's a snapshot. Listen, listen. We take snapshots of life in the midst of sin. When the fallout hasn't happened yet, and we say, See, it's no big deal. But you haven't played the movie of the next year, the next five years, the next 20 years, or the next 40 years of your life. You haven't played out that marriage, that family, that career, that finance, that greed, that sin, that sickness. You haven't played it out in eternity to see where it takes you. Let me play the movie, because you know what's coming. Ooh, that didn't go well. You want to see it in slow motion? I do. Come on. I do. Somebody else's loss. Watch that. looks like a Prius, which deserves to be hit. You know what people often say? That's enough. You know what people often say? In this individualistic system of America, we say my sin is my issues, my way of living. It doesn't hurt anybody else. How does that hurt anybody else? Like the guy parking on the tracks. Let me tell you, it costs your company an incredible amount of money. The insurance company, the train company, the electorate that just got knocked out. Everybody's losing from our sin. When you look at what's broken our culture, you can chase it all back to sin. So if you're on the train tracks, get off the tracks. Now, here's one I enjoyed. Somebody was actually trying to drive in between. You can see they're in between and the gate's down on both sides. It's a little bit blurry, but you'll see the guy, like he's playing Jesus with the little orange vest in the middle, and he's about to lift the gate. Let me tell you why that's important. Well, no, let me just show you. Go ahead. Let it play out. Is that crazy? When, when you have a service like this and the Spirit of God says, arrest your sin and get off the track, it's because a train's coming. Amen? Amen? When you take true blue and you redefine it all in red disc, yellow disc living and the Spirit of God says, hang on, hang on, this is your train track, it's dangerous, it's gonna cost you, Get off the track. That's all he's saying. It's not that complicated. Live holy as he is holy. And all your hope is in holy, in true blue. Of course, I want to live like a Christian. What is my alternative except to train wreck my hope? And it's worth a side note, not that I have a lot of time still, but if you're settling into sin, change the track, hang on, and don't don't take your sin and add it to the word Christian in order to magically make unholy holy. There's a propensity in current culture to take your sin bent and then attach it to Christian and that somehow that makes it Christian. So I can't say I'm a sexually immoral Christian. I'm a greedy Christian, I'm an adulterous Christian, I'm a Christian thief, I'm a Christian adulterer, I'm a Christian liar, I'm a pedophile Christian, I'm an anger, rage, malice, slandering, and filthy language Christian. You can't attach sin to Christian and Christianize it and therefore make the unholy holy. That's kind of like taking a cow turd, a cow pie, putting cheese on it, throw it in between two buns and say, that's a cheeseburger, have at it. I don't, I don't care what you do to it, it's still a turd. You can't take sin, attach it to the name of Jesus, and somehow make sin holy. It's still a turd. That's in the Hebrew and Greek, <laughs> for those of you who are wondering, can he say that? So where do you need, hang on, if you're an insider follow Christ, where do you need to confess and strive to be holy? Come on, let's quit talking to the world about, let's quit talking To people who don't even know Jesus. Let's quit critiquing them. They don't even know him. How about we just come over here and clean up our own lives to walk the true blue Jesus? Maybe if we who claim Jesus walk true blue Jesus it would be attractive. Maybe more of this is on us than we want to admit. So where do you need to confess and clean up? That's a question today. Where have you settled into sin and the Holy Spirit is saying, get off the track? Third, help outsiders come inside. Do what? Help outsiders come inside. Let's read it again, all of us together, wherever you are. Here we go help outsiders come inside. It's interesting that Paul shifts the conversation when he gets in chapter four, and he moves it to outsiders. Look at what he wrote. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too. Pray for us. Why, Paul? Paul, Paul, why do we need to pray for you? Pray for us that God may open a door for our message, like to get the gospel out to outsiders so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, this amazing grace of God that makes it possible for your sin to be forgiven and you to be made holy and then have the Spirit of God in you to strive to be holy. For which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward, like, okay, if you're true blue Jesus. Keep that scripture up there. If you're true blue Jesus, now be wise in the way you live among people who have redefined everything, and they call it red or yellow. Of course they do. Jesus isn't their Lord. Of course they do. They don't even believe he's creator. Of course they do. They're operating out of their emotions and their feelings. Culture is leading them. Spiritually speaking, Jesus would say Satan is leading them. They don't believe that. Of course they don't. Why treat them like they're not following Jesus? They've already agreed. So they need the grace of God. So be wise in the way we who are fighting to be true, blue by the power of God in us, and these are our definitions of life. You be true to Jesus and then be very wise in the way you treat them because They need help coming to Jesus, and they don't know him yet. So they're not going to live like you. They're going to live red and yellow, and you're going to live blue. And these are different conversations. And Paul says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Meaning this, you live in a world of people who have completely different definitions than you. They're going to ask you, show me the blue, and you're going to say, I really don't see a blue, but let me just tell you why. If we're going to have an honest conversation, I can't be silent, but I can be respectful. I can value someone who doesn't share my values. I can treat you with the respect God gives you. You're created in his image. I'm not going to lead with condemnation. I'm not going to dismantle your value as a human being. I deeply disagree with your definitions because I think you're losing the hope that you were created for. I'm not going to be silent and I'm not going to agree to your lies. I might even feel like we're in opposition and I'm disagreeing, but I am. Because my definitions are set over here by True Blue. And Jesus' definition of love does not mean that I change my values in order to agree with you. Because there's no hope in these definitions. So be wise. This is a complicated conversation. Is it not? We could spend the next few hours on this. I think maybe that there's a couple of insights, and then we'll wrap. I think chapter three, chapter four could have some insights. I don't know. Insights in the way it applies to the way we, as insiders, true blue, impact dialogue, engage with outsiders who do not follow Jesus, who think, why would I ever want to be a Christian? Why would I ever want to live like a Christian? Okay. See if you can follow me. Let me talk about insiders talking with insiders, Christians talking with Christians. True blue with true blue. Maybe when you're true blue talking with insiders true blue, maybe, maybe, Because we've already experienced grace, we've already been forgiven, there's no self-righteousness, we've been made righteous through him, and now we agree to strive to be holy, maybe in the church our conversations can be Colossians chapter 3, be holy as I am holy, and you can lead with Jesus as Lord, you can lead with Jesus as Lord, maybe we need to start having more conversations in the church about living like Jesus as Lord, because you've already agreed he's Savior and Lord, now let's act like it. Maybe all the conversations in the church don't have to be grace. Maybe they could be growth. And maybe, maybe, hang on, I'm not being critical. Hang on. Maybe chapter four says that when you're an insider talking to an outsider, what you lead with is not be holy as Jesus is holy, but did you know that Jesus didn't come to condemn you and he will forgive you? Maybe this conversation you lead with grace. Maybe this is where you present Jesus as Savior. Maybe as just a trigger, when you're talking to people who don't follow Jesus, you lead with Jesus as Savior. And when you're talking to people who know Jesus, you can lead with Jesus as Lord. And when you get those confused, you end up with a world who feels condemned and a church that lives in sin. And maybe we're not getting it right. Is that making any sense? Or is it just making sense in my head? So I wonder if we shouldn't have a couple of questions. What do you need to clean up? Now I'm talking to insiders. What do you need to clean up? Confess and strive for holy. And who do you need to invite to Easter? Pray for them and invite them, because they are over here. And Jesus loves them so deeply, values them so highly, and longs for them to find real hope. So bow your heads with me. Teaching's done. Just bow your heads wherever you are. Can I invite us into a moment of prayer? I'd like to pray over you. I don't know what the Holy Spirit wants to do with this in your head and your heart, But I want to help you pray through the two questions. What do you need to clean up? If you're a follower of Christ, an insider, take a moment before God and be honest to God. Say, Holy Spirit, is there any place in my life where I've settled into sin? And I need to confess that and by your strength strive to be holy. And I want you to have a silent moment before the Lord. Attend to him. Ask him. And then confess. Lord, forgive me. I know I battle with that. Forgive me, cleanse me, make me holy. I receive your forgiveness. Holy Spirit, indwell me more richly, more deeply, more fully. As I yield to you, help me strive to be holy, for I cannot do this on my own. Next, just... Following before the Lord, don't don't pull back. Who do you need to invite on Easter? Pray for an invite. Sift through your world of relationships. You know, on Easter, I'm going to teach from the son who was living a great story by the Father's grace called the prodigal son. He was blessed by his father, but he decided he could write a better story for himself, and he left. That's why it's called prodigal. He ended up in a pig pen, hopeless, a worse story. And he tried to rewrite his story by earning his way back and say, Dad, I'll be a servant. I'll earn back my forgiveness. A lot of people are trying to earn back a place with God that's impossible. And they discover, and that's what they'll discover at Easter, that our Heavenly Father has a better story for you all along, a more beautiful story. You can be forgiven and restored. You don't earn it back. You receive it. People need God's better story than the hopeless story of culture. They need the story of Jesus that he would rewrite. So think, who should I be inviting? I I know spring break impacts this, but you just come back early and you invite. You go after this. This is kingdom stuff. So Heavenly Father, would you help us um, invite and would you draw people in? that they may experience your grace and forever your hope. In Jesus' name, amen. So pastors, would you leave us?